You ever sit down at your dinner table at night after you cook a long meal? Took you hours. You sit down at the dinner table and you start to eat it and you just look down and say, this sucks. Well, now you don't have to. Go to unitedharvest.com. Yeah, it's an ad. Tricked you. Unitedharvest.com to get high quality cuts of meat. I'm talking cross wasami angus beef. I'm talking American grass-fed lamb. I'm talking Hooterite pork. Canadian Hooterite pork. This stuff is incredible. I promise you will not be disappointed. Go to the website, unitedharvest.com. Type in the referral code, the promo code, FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. I don't even know how to remotely start a podcast. Start a conversation. Yeah, podcast. If I could be any celebrity, I'd be Will Winner. Please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this and you still tuck your jeans and your boots, reach down, pull those bad boys out. All right, we're done with that. We're done with that. I am ninety-seven we're... pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Next. I should have brought my recorder. I could have played Hot Cross Buns. Is that illegal? <laughs> when our two moms listen to this podcast, they're going to be like... Yeah, our two moms. They're going to be super proud of us. Welcome <laughs> to the Keeper Pin. Hello, everyone. It is... What day is it? It's March. Which brings back PTSD of last March. Um, We're about on the one week anniversary of quarantine when I got my roots grew out and I got smelly and I did nothing and got fat and it was all miserable. But um, we're not like that. We're a year ahead ish and we're doing great ish. I say ish a lot because, well, Maddie, how are you doing? I am doing swell. I have new tires on my vehicle. Um, long story short, I hit one too many potholes, blew out a tire. It was a whole ordeal. Tried to turn it into insurance because my tires are a lot more expensive than I thought they were. Insurance tried to tell me that the hole was so big that it looked like someone had vandalized my car or tried to like slash my tires. Um, so there's that. And, um, I'm gave us a, the one person who gave us a one-star rating on Apple podcast. Who, what? Oh know. yeah. They probably, and the, uh, the insurance agent, I was like, ma'am, I live in a really small town in Iowa. I really don't know anyone here besides the people I work with. And she's like, well, you never know in this day and age. I was like, okay, got it, Susan. but anyhow thriving um my car is doing much better i'm getting ready to head to oklahoma for a little while and we are just thriving here good i'm glad so we're back for our season two or continuation whatever season we're on i've lost track because it's been so much fun and um Maddie, I'll let you introduce our awesome guests for this week. Okay, I am super pumped because I am fangirling myself today. I have never purchased a pair of boots because I just 
haven't brought myself to do it yet. I'm still just waiting on some sort of, I don't know, sign to do it. This might be my sign. And so today we have Paige with No Roots Boots. I guess I didn't realize how close she actually grew up from me. I'm at least I think we might have to discuss this, but super, super proud of a fellow Illinois native, I guess you could say. <laughs> and so super happy to introduce Paige. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast, gals. Yeah. And so where, where are you? Where are you? I, from? I, I live, well, grew up in Elmwood. Okay. And I'm Princeville. So pretty darn oh, close. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was going to describe where Elmwood was, but I don't think I need to like Princeville is like 20 minutes from my house. So not bad yeah, at all. Played, we played each other in sports. So pretty darn close. Naughty didn't. Naughty didn't. Anybody in sports. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting on the smart ass to pop up and be like, oh, Maddie didn't play any sports. No, I didn't. But as a collective Elmwood citizen, we played sports. <laughs> That is hilarious. Well, I yeah, played so, a lot of sports. And then by senior year, I was like, I don't think sports is my thing anymore. <laughs> well, you know, I just, um, I tried to play some <laughs> t-ball. Um, and I hope, I don't think Jenna has ever got a hold of this picture, but my family all has it. It is horrible. So I was only able to play t-ball. And even that they had to hold the t-ball stand for me because I just still couldn't get stabilized enough to get the ball hit. <laughs> and then my parents were like, it would be really good if you did softball. So I <laughs> tried to play softball for a little bit. And I finally figured out that if you got hit with the ball, you got to go automatically to first base. So I would just turn and let it hit me no matter where it was. That was all fine and dandy until like the, I don't know, speed racer 100 girl on the other team was pitching one night. And I almost had to go to the hospital because I had such a massive bruise and just swelling on my back from letting it hit me. So after that, my parents said, it is done. This is over with. It's not worth the pain. And that's your sports story right there. And that's it. Yes, I was a cheerleader, but that's the extent of the sports that I did. But Paige, if you wouldn't mind, would you tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up, if you showed growing up and your college experience and then we'll go from there. Okay, perfect. So I did not show growing up, um, which when I got into college, I was like, wow, I really feel like I missed out on something. But um, growing up, it was, uh, I grew up on a farm, corn and soybeans in central Illinois, like you mentioned. And we just had the best way of growing up, as I'm sure many podcast listeners um, would agree with. Um, but my parents just really involved us on the daily farm thing. So when it came time to enroll in 4-H, I think my mom just didn't really have the best experience. Um, just they didn't do a whole lot. And so she was like, hey, we're going to, with my dad, they decided uh, we're going to start a sweet corn business for the kids. And that's how we're going to teach them hard work and that kind of stuff. So um, when I got to college, like I said, I didn't have any of this, you know, I didn't know any of the people that showed, but um, I, I do feel like we learned a lot of the same lessons. So we grew up, like I said, uh, 
with corn and soybeans, we did have some livestock growing up. We had a few bucket calves, that kind of stuff. But when we got about six years old, my parents gave us a sweet corn business. And we always laugh to this day that um, I have a younger brother and older sister. And each of us kids took our like roles in the sweet corn business. And now what we're doing for our careers all match up. So my brother always liked the mechanics. He liked to make us more efficient. He always like had a four wheeler hooked up to a cart, And I mean, that's what he does on the farm. He's efficient. He can fix anything. Um, my sister's a graphic designer now, and she always designed the business cards. And I was always the salesperson. I was like, you guys can go out and pick it. Your girl here is going to stay back. I'm going to try to get as many tips as possible and sell as much sweet corn as I possibly can. So um, definitely a different background than a lot of people um, that have been on the podcast, but they just took that at an early age and were like, you know, this is how we're going to teach them to learn hard work and have ownership and talk to people and um, have a business that's their own. So that's kind of where I started. And um, I went to high school and loved loved being social. Um, that was probably my favorite thing. My parents were, I was in sports to be social and, um, it was really funny, but as I grew older and older, I think, um, we all kind of go through this phase. I'm not sure if you girls did or not, but I thought I wanted to get as far away from the farm and as fast as I could. And by senior year in high school, I realized that, um, all that wasn't what it cracked up to be. And I really started to understand the importance of agriculture and just knowing that that was an industry and people that I wanted to surround myself with. Um, did you girls ever want to oh, move away? Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought, well, I remember singing on the bus uh, one time to Jordan Sparks's No Air. And, <laughs> yeah. and the girl next to me on the bus, her name was Phoebe. She said, you're really good. And then that, for the next year, I thought I was going to go to like LA and sing. Um, that's obvious. I can't, I can't breathe. <laughs> I mean, I just hit the note like, oh, and she was like, you're really good. <gasps> and I went home and I practiced with my hairbrush, but yes. Where, where is Phoebe today? Uh, I, she actually works at the Casey's in town. But <laughs> oh, I, w I was really hoping she got into the music industry because no, it sounds like no. she has really good taste. No, she works, <laughs> she works at the, the Casey's in town. But um, anyway, back to your point. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to get away. And now it's so funny because I text my mom all the time. I'm like, kind of ready to come home and like, I want to be close to home. And it's just, it's, it's weird how you grow. And it's weird how yeah. you meet your parents too. That's And I think it's always so interesting now because like, I wanted to get far, far away and fast. And here I am literally last August, I moved a mile from my home farm. I'm like, oh my, <laughs> funny how life changes. I think I thought I was like a California girl at one point. I was like, man, I'm going to move to the beach. And I didn't realize that I'm a ginger and I am pale. And that just wasn't a practical place for me to be. So I think that lasted like a week or so. But other than that, I've pretty much always been a homebody, which is why making this move was so different for me. It just was something I never imagined myself doing. Um, but it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. 
it's funny how life works out that way. Like I said, never would have imagined moving, moving back closer to home and especially a mile from my parents' farm. But yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely, that was definitely a journey for me. And I mean, my parents had to force me to be an FFA. Um, when I was a freshman, my mom's like, you know, you don't need to take home ec to make puppy chow. I can teach you this at home. She's like, you can do that later, but your first year, your, you know, your elective needs to be ag. Um, you know, this is how we've made a living and you need to at least understand it. So I thought that that was really, sometimes parents show you tough love and that was such a great thing. And I'm so glad they did it because I really didn't have an understanding of what all my parents did and really, you know, you grow up with it, but you kind of take it for granted. And so it was great to kind of see it from like a different atmosphere and with people, you know, students around you that didn't quite understand either. So I was glad that they forced me to do that. (laughs) No, absolutely. And so let's talk about where'd you go to college and kind of your career path there and how you ended up with No Roots Boots. Well, it's a long story. I was kind of a hot mess. And I think a lot of people uh, can relate to this. I think that people always think it's going to be some straight line. And I was definitely more of a zigging and zagging kind of gal. And so when I went to school, I went to ICC to start with, and I didn't know what I wanted to go to school for. So I was just like, you know what, I'll do ag communications. I think I switched to business and then realized I had to take I think I had to take some like crazy math class and I was like, "Mm, nope, back to communications. And so I went ag biz communications, biz back and forth. And then right before I transferred to Illinois state, I just remember I was out sweeping my dad's farm shop. And I was like, I think I want to teach ag. Not sure where that came from. Still don't really know. Um, So before I transferred, I switched to ag ed and I went to school at ISU and really had to buckle down because I hadn't taken like all the gen eds to get me into all the things. So I ended up having to take like a summer semester. It was just really crazy. And like I said, it was just kind of like a whim thing, which is just kind of who I am as a person, I guess. Um, And so I switched over to ag ed, went to ISU. And let me tell you, that was a wake up call. That was my first time that I didn't live on the farm. And I always tell everybody, I love to drink a few beers, but I also had always had a job since I was like 16. So I called my mom. I was like, I think I need a job. Cause like I have a ton of time. School hasn't been too difficult. And like, I'm not really sure what to do with all my time. And I just keep napping all the time. And she's like, yeah, probably should get a job. So I told her, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to get a job at a Western store. And she's like, what retail? Like, what does that have to do with anything that you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. My friend Emma works there. Sounds kind of fun. And from the very beginning, like I was absolutely hooked. I loved the customer experience. I loved how like somebody would come in working on the pipeline and they'd be from Alabama and they'd tell you all about the agriculture in Alabama and just like meeting so many different people in a retail setting. Um, And so little did I know at that point that that was like the seed that was going to be planted, um, for no roots boots. And so, like I said, my mom kind of left cause it was just such a random job. Um, but then I finished up at ISU and right before I went to student teach my last semester, I was like, I don't want to teach once again. I 
I'm just such a whim person and a lot of people, I'm sure it drives them crazy, but that's just who I am. Um, I was like, I don't think I want to teach. I've done enough classroom observation. I just don't think that this is the path for me. And so I had the hard conversation with the people I was student teaching under. I was like, I think I'm going to take another job. Went to career fair, was like, okay, don't like teaching, love selling. Cause I love selling boots. I was like, I come from an ag background. I'm going to sell seed. Went to the career fair a couple weeks later, landed a job with a local seed company here in Illinois and went off to student teaching. I was like, okay, I have a job. I'm not going to teach. Let's just see where this opportunity takes me. And girls, I'm really sorry that this is really long. So you can cut out whatever part you want. Keep going. Keep going. You okay. are totally fine. Yeah. I'm intrigued right now. So please don't okay. stop. Okay. So anyway, so I knew that I wasn't going to teach and I told the cooperating teachers like, Hey, like I'm here, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would just be like, I'm not teaching. I'm just going to, you know, get by. And I told them, I said, you know, any projects you have for me, anything like that. And so that student teaching experience was probably one of the harder moments of my life, just because I needed to be all in because I had, you know, told them that, I was going to student teach, but yet it was so hard because I was like, I'm learning all this stuff and trying to be the best teacher I am, but I'm never going to really use this because I knew that teaching just was not for me as a full-time job. It was something that I love doing, but not every single day. And I think that I knew that I wanted a job that I woke up every day and was like, even if it's hard, like I still love this and teaching was not that. So that was a really great growing experience. And I think just learning in that environment and having to think on your feet was really, really great for me. And I think every time I look back, all the different experiences and the bad jobs I had in the dead end roads, like they all led me to no roots boots, which is just really cool to see in hindsight. Um, so after that, I finished, I like had four days off of, uh, like student teaching and college and all that. And I started my seed job and that was another dead end road, which was difficult. Um, so I graduated in May of 16. I started selling seed in May of 16. And I want to say by November of 16, I quit that job. And, um, when I went to work for the seed company, they said, you know, I was going to be like a territory manager and I, learn stuff super quick. So they were like, your training period will be anywhere from three to six months, depending on how quick you learn and how ready we think you are. Well, by like month two or three, they were like, Oh, she, she's ready. She's, I mean, I'm the type of person that like, you have to give me something to do. And I feel like I have to earn my paycheck. And I just felt like, I was like, what am I doing here? Like they were telling me I could call on uh, small farmers, like under 500 acres but those people a lot of times had secondary jobs and so weren't home when I would try to like pull on their farmyard or what have you. Um, and so they just finally were like, well, you're going to have to stay in the training program until somebody quits, you know, or they're fired or what have you. And a territory opens up. And I'm like, 22 or three year old Paige was like, excuse me, what? Y'all hired me and you don't even have a territory for me. And so that was just like a really, interesting experience because I think when you are younger and you go work for other people and they're older than you and they have a business, you're like, man, do you have like a plan goals? And that was super frustrating because I don't know, nobody wants to go into their first job and then quit it 
in, you know, what, six, seven months. And I tried to like tell them that this wasn't working for me this whole training period. And they totally understood, but then they never did anything about it. And so one day I was supposed to head out to Iowa. They had me calling on some random farmers where like an account manager would quit and they had like some random farmer in Iowa and like nobody around them for six, no other customers around them for like 60 miles. So I would like drive to a farmer's and then drive an hour to another farmer in Iowa. And I called my boss from the boot store, which this has always probably been the hardest like part of the story for me is um, I was really close to the people that own the boot store that I worked for. And um, so I called them and I called him and I said, Hey, the seed thing is not working for me. I think I need to get back in the boot business. Um, like, do you have any connections? Can I be a rep for a boot company? And he was like, I mean, I'd love to chat with you about this. You know, do you really want to be a boot rep or do you want to open a store? I'm like, I don't know. I'm 20. 22. I don't really know. I'm, I think I just want to be a rep. I'm not, I don't think I want to open a store. I'm 22. And, um, so I met with them, um, at their store and we kind of chatted through some things and they were kind of like, Hey, we're getting older. What about a buyout? You know, we know that you love this and you love our business we've built. And so I was like, well, if we're talking buyout, my parents need to be here. So, um, about a week later we met with my parents and the whole plan was, transitioned me. I was going to buy them out. Um, but first I was going to open a secondary store. I'm not sure Maddie, if you ever remember that there was a boot store in the Northwoods mall. Uh, what was the name of it? It was JC sales. It's the same one that's in Bloomington. I don't, I don't, I, it was really, we, it was really briefly and Northwoods mall isn't always the place you go, you know? Yeah. I, my mom was always scared to take us if my dad, if my dad wasn't home. So we, we honestly never went. So I don't personally remember that, but I'm sure somebody at home does. Yep. Um, so anyway, so I, they were like, well, I think you should try to like run a store from top to bottom. So we'll give you half of our inventory because they had quite a bit of inventory and, you know, start a store in Peoria. And I told them, I thought I wanted to be at Grand Prairie because it just fit more. But, um, they were like, well, we like the traffic of an indoor mall during, you know, November, December, January, February, all those months. So I was like, okay, fine, fair, whatever. So, um, yeah, we sat down and everything was great. And we kind of set up like how I was going to buy business on a handshake, that whole ordeal. And they, kind of have a similar model, I guess, where they go to roadshows, but they go to like a lot of uh, country concert festivals and like horse fairs and stuff like that. And so they were about ready to go to like a big horse show in Massachusetts, I think. And so they're like, you and your family are kind of on your own for getting the store ready to go. And it was an old journey. So it had like orange and purple and green, and it was horrible. And so in 11 days, we like transformed this old journeys into like a boot store. We went and got all the boots, all the stuff, but about day two, it was super interesting. They had a son and they told me he was not interested. And I saw my phone ring and it was the sun and my heart just sunk because I knew that this call was not good. And it, it was not good. He was like, so they're trying to sell the business to you. You know, we are interested And I knew right then I was in the middle of a family feud and from the family farming 
side of things, like, you know, that's not a good place to be. And I told my mom and she's like, Oh, like, I mean, we all just knew from that moment on that things were not going to be what they said they were going to be. And so we, uh, opened the store November 11th. And I think the mall contract was like the end of March, I want to say. And we're just the type of people that when you say that you're going to do something, you hold up your end of the deal, even if other people don't. And that's just how my parents raised me. And so as the months went on, things got really, really, really bad. And that was probably the hardest thing is just to go from being so close to somebody and you think you really know somebody and then you add business into it and a buyout and like a lack of communication on their family side of things. And like I said, I was just stuck in the middle of it. And I felt stuck because it was my first year out of college and this was my second job in the first year and it was not going well. And I think to some extent, we all worry about what other people think of us. And that was really, really hard because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I knew I couldn't stay there because I knew I wasn't appreciated. And I knew my ideas weren't appreciated. Like it was very much like you sell our product. We don't really want your opinion because we've been doing this for 30 years and we know what we're doing. And I was wearing short little booties in 2016 and they were still selling like traditional Western, which is totally fine. I love that too. But I was trying to push them into like the next thing that I saw coming and they just resisted it. So it was really bad for a really long time. And I tell people all the time, I cried myself to sleep a lot those couple months and I just felt helpless. I didn't know where to go because, you know, I tried teaching, didn't love it. Tried selling seed, didn't love it. Got back to the boot thing. Love it, but didn't love how I was doing it, who I was doing it with and where it was going. And, um, I think that really uncomfortable spot really led me to really figure out like, you know, like I told said earlier, like I do everything on a whim and I think I needed to sit down and be like, all right, Paige, what do you like? Like, what do you want to do? And not just do something on a whim because I'd done that, you know, twice and it didn't work out. And I mean, that uncomfortable moment and those moments and those months kind of are what helped no roots boots just kind of come to be. So, um, I think it was February. No, it was January. My best, now one of my best friends, Shay Obrey, she has a little uh, tool truck and she opened a business called the Runaway Rack and it has clothing. And my sister screenshotted it on Facebook and sent it to me. And she said, this is what you need to do. And immediately I was like, I'm buying an Airstream and I'm going to fill it with boots and I'm going to travel. And that is where the dream started. Um, Wow. (laughs) I'm telling you, it was a long story and it's so hard to condense because like so much of it, I had no idea any of this. I just assumed that no roots boots started this rosy little picture, like (laughs) (laughs) right after out of, you know, out of college and you started it and it just took off from there. I mean, Jenna, did you have any idea? 
Well, I just <laughs> say that I almost had a tear in my eye at one point. <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually that's me, but I was too mind boggled. I was like, I oh my think- gosh, this should be a book. <laughs> and I think the wildest thing is that like, now that it's successful, it's like, duh, this is perfect for Paige. But when, I mean, when I first told people, like, I remember when I launched it and like announced it on my personal Instagram. And I mean, I think like 200 people of my Instagram followers headed over and followed it. And I was like, I'm sure people thought it was flaky. Like this was my third. So I started my very first event was May, 2017. So literally one year after I graduated, that was my third job. And so I'm sure people were like, what is this girl doing? (laughs) Which I, I mean, at that point, I think I didn't really care. Like I cared a lot until I came up with the idea. And then when I, once I came up to the, with the idea, I was like, this is it. Like it's going to be successful and I have nobody to tell me no. I was like, I have nobody to tell me no about anything or hold me back. I was like, let's go. (laughs) Wow. I'm just, you know, I think it just goes to a testament of how much resilience it took because, you know, I can see where you would think, oh my gosh, like I've tried so many different avenues and they didn't work out. And now I'm sort of like, what do I do next? Like, where do I go from here? How do I progress from here? And then you think of, you know, you're fighting that battle in your own head and then thinking about what other people think on top of that. I mean, I think that, you know, I know your story is unique, but I think it probably applies to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Like there are so many different things that could go wrong. And then you just sort of, I don't know if it just took some of like trusting your gut or like you said, sitting down and just figuring out exactly what it is that you want to do. I'm not sure, but I think that I hope that so many people listen to this and at least take that away. Um, you know, because I don't know, it, like I said, it took a lot of resilience just to be able to get through that time in your life. I think, I think I always tell people to like, success is not arrow straight and you, the zigs and the zags are so stinking hard, but if you use those to kind of learn, you know, Oh, I liked this, but I hated this. I liked this. If, if you take the time, like I said, to not be so like, I'm so willy nilly. And I was like, okay, Paige, you have to sit down and figure this out because you can't do this the rest of your life. And I think, like I said, sitting in that uncomfortableness was just what I needed to do. But also, I mean, I have a really great support system. And so as much as I know a lot of other people thought I was crazy. Like I sat down with my parents and they're like, you can make this work, put some numbers to it and, you know, figure out like a game plan and you can do the thing. Like my parents have always raised us. Like you can do anything you put your mind to like on the farm, there was ever or something that they were like, Paige, you can't do that, but your brother can. They were like, you can do anything you want to do or you're willing to learn. So I think that helped a lot too, because if I wouldn't have had them behind me, it would have been really, really difficult. But they saw how excited I was about the boot thing and then saw it be stripped away from me. And I think they were like, this girl loves this and we have, we'll do anything to help her, you know, fix up an Airstream and help her make it, you know. 
Yeah. So what is your favorite thing about No Roots Boots? Like what gets you up every morning pumped to start the day and just go all into your, I don't know if you would call it like your own small business. I'm not sure, but irregardless. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's probably changed with each season at the beginning. I think when I first started and I knew a lot of people were doubting me, it was that little bit of like, creative rebellion that was like, watch and see, you know, I think we probably all go through that phase where you've been knocked down a few times. People are doubting you and you're like, all right, watch this. Like, you don't even know half of what I have got up my sleeve. And I think that was a lot of the beginning was just like, I woke up every day and I was like, I have to make this work. I have to make this work. And I think, um, as time goes on, it's really cool to see that my, I would say my purpose changes at the beginning. I was just trying to make it and I couldn't think of a deeper purpose. And then probably about a year ago, my sister looked at me and looked at, she actually looked at a post on Instagram that she was like, all right, girl, what you doing over there? And she said, you know, are you trying to be a rowdy influencer or what's your purpose here? Because you've made it and you're making a good living. Like now, what more do you have to bring to the table besides like, rowdy pictures and rowdy boots. And I think since that conversation, it's been incredible because since the beginning, I've always been like, it's about more than boots, but I just hope that on, you know, no roots boots, I can also inspire people to chase their dreams and also realize that it's not always easy and try to share some of those trials and some of the wisdom that I've gained from those trials. So I think more than anything, obviously I love running my own business and I love helping women find boots that they love and like put on and they're like, all right, I can take on this day. Um, but I think more than anything, just inspiring people to, like you said, persevere, um, when you've had hardships and you have people that doubt your vision. Um, and I think that in the last year that has really been my heart and it's amazing because I sell boots and I make a living along the way. And so, like I said, it's been really fun to transition into that. And I'm not putting so much pressure on myself to make sales goals or whatever. I'm just kind of doing my thing and I've gotten into a really comfortable rhythm, but also like love to shake it up every once in a while. So I would say that's probably it. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten those meats, I can guarantee you that they are the most superior steaks you'll ever eat. By offering the highest quality ag products directly to consumers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middlemen, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No cold cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. That's friends 15 ladies and gentlemen. These are premium cuts of meat with the company paying nearly twice the market price to cattlemen for their finest cattle. You will not be disappointed. So I think you bring up like your story brings up a really good um, discussion that we haven't had on the podcast or we might've Maddie and I probably touched on it in the earlier ones, but not with somebody else um, from the outside coming in, but with your, you know, your mentor and the previous owner of the boot shop that you worked on, you had somebody in your corner and you had somebody that you thought you were looking up to and you thought that was on your side and you thought wanted you to succeed and it turned out that they were out for themselves. And I think that a lot of people can relate to having kind of a, a human or somebody that they're um, really close with 
turn out to not be uh, the person that they thought they were. So what's your advice with dealing with that? I think, like I said, at the end of the day, um, my parents have just always preached to me and I'm so thankful for their lessons. Just, I mean, my parents were like, you have to be the bigger person. And I think that that helped a lot along the way you, because I was like, you know what, they've done some really horrible things, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to burn the bridge, but I also needed to stand my ground. And I think that I'm before, I guess, before that happened, I was kind of someone that I felt like a lot of people could push around. And I think that when I had that interaction with them and I finally had to sit them down and be like, I'm leaving at the end of this. And you guys can take all your boots back and you didn't do everything and hold them accountable. Like you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And, um, I'll never forget right before I walked in to that meeting to tell them that like I prayed in my truck and I was like, God, you have to give me courage because I am so afraid. And I remember walking through those doors and seeing them sitting there with their arms crossed. And I didn't feel one little ounce of like, I'm going to back down to them or I'm a scared. I'm afraid of them. Like I was like, girl, you know what you've got to say. And I sat them down and they, I mean, they pushed me when we had that conversation. They were like, well, you know, if working these mall hours is too much, how are you ever going to make it? If you own your own business, you never work a 40 hour a week. And I was like, I looked at them and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine it's not the hours. It's the hours working for a dream that I don't believe in and people that obviously aren't true to their word. And I mean, I didn't back down. And I think that learning that lesson of holding people accountable for what they said that they were going to do, but also still doing what you said you were going to do and having boundaries in place to be like, listen, this isn't working anymore. Um, move on. But I think that it's also helped me. I've said it over and over again to my mom. I said, you know what, that was a really important lesson because someday when I'm not the rookie anymore, and I have someone who wants, you know, to ask me questions. I never want to treat anybody the way that they treated me. And I think that's why I love talking to other entrepreneurs that are just getting started and encouraging them in that because I I don't want to be, they were just very protective of their business model. And when you're protective of your business model and you're worried about all your competition, you can't succeed because you're too, too worried about what they're doing. And so I learned a lot of lessons on what not to do, but I think the biggest one is just taking the high road, but also holding people accountable. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're somebody like me that wants to make everybody happy. But at the end of the day, like when I left that situation, it was really hard and I didn't want to talk about it for a long time. Um, I didn't, nobody, everyone always asked how I got started and I couldn't share the story because I wasn't in a place that I could say nice things about them. And over the years, it's been really great because now I can be like, I learned so much from them. They had like this old school customer service. You could stretch a boot, how you could fit a boot, like all these different things that have made me successful but I also learned what not to do as far as like being a business person and some of the things that they did that bothered me. 
And so I learned a lot of lessons from them. And now I'm to the point, you know, or a couple of years ago, I got to the point where I was like, I have no ill feelings against them. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity because I would have never found that I love selling boots and found my purpose in life without those moments, I guess. So that would be my advice, but it's not, it's not, I don't think you could ever give any like perfect clean advice because we're all people and everyone, I guess, reacts differently, but I never thought that they would have attacked me like they did um, when I told them I was not going to continue. <laughs> so that was really hard. <laughs> Cause I had the same exact thought process the other day. Um, when I was watching some older men go at it on Facebook and I said, <laughs> oh, geez. yeah. And I mean, my favorite pastime, uh, is watching Facebook fights. It's incredible. But aside from that, I think that as women, especially young women, um, with some, like, just look like trying to figure out, like someone comes attacks you or not even attacks you, but it's talking poorly about you is going against what you believe in just not good mojo in your corner where you, you know, we're at that little T road or whatever the poem's about or veer in the road. <laughs> I don't know where you got to pick one side. And I think we should just create a dirt road right down the middle because you, I, you do need to take the high road and you do need to be a good human being and you need to be respectful to people and you don't need to call them names and you don't need to do that. But if any little girl or big girl or boy or whoever's listening to this, stand up for yourselves. That is mm-hmm. the thing that I don't think in this world and not to get off on a tangent, but you can be respectful to people and take the high road, but still stand up for yourselves. I think anymore, like everyone's just so quiet and lets people walk all over them. And I am the biggest want someone, everyone to like me and give myself awful anxiety. If I, you know, not, I can read too far into things, but man, we, I think it for me personally, and I know there's probably other girls out there, people out there. I know I use girls too loosely because men are too tightly I guess men listen to this too but we got to stand up for ourselves and you know back what you believe in and do what you believe in I think that's so imperative yep not not always easy but I think that especially in situations like that I don't know I was like (laughs) listen here (laughs) yeah I got things to say because I've been doing all these things and now it's time for you to listen (laughs) Thanks, Jenna, for taking over for a second. I needed, there's just so many things that you just said that rang true in my own life. And I mean, I don't know if you had the same experience, but um, when I went through something, I mean, totally different, but kind of similar, um, there was a few people that held like the biggest pieces of my heart. And I expected them to continue that when I was going through something. And They were actually the ones that left the fastest and it was so hard for me. But in the same time, there were people that I didn't even think cared or knew or, you know, wanted to take, spend their energy to say anything to me or to support me. And they have since filled that void. So I think there are so many good things that can come out of a situation like that as well that are really important to remember. And I don't know if you had the same you know, a similar situation like that, but you had mentioned just having supporters and that's just something that I think correlates, you know, to try to always think about the positive if someone is going through a similar situation. Yeah. And I think too, that 
just like you said, there were some really hard things, but since then, like my friend Shay that started the runaway rack that inspired me. I mean, she is the best encourager. She wants what's best for me. And there's been so many other business people along the way. And I think that, like you said, I mean, it fills the void, but like tenfold, they're just incredible people and people that you would have never met if you wouldn't have went through that experience or yeah, I completely agree with what you said. So, um, like on a happy note, because I just love seeing love. I know I say this in every podcast, but (laughs) when and how did John come into the story? And yeah, just you guys got, you got to tell us about it. So it's a really funny story. So John um, has been my dad's seed salesman since I want to say like August of 17. So I started No Roots in May. And then August of 17, and one of my favorite stories is his very first time meeting my dad because he took over a seed dealership um, was the exact same day that I had my big breakdown. So I was driving to a show in Effingham, Illinois, and I was cruising on 74, um, getting close to Champaign, passing a semi because... I'm always in the left lane, hammered down. And next thing you know, I am pushing the pedal and there's nothing. I've got, I lost all power. And I have my cousin in the passenger seat and we somehow, thank God, got off on the right side of the road. And I call my dad and I'm like, my truck literally just died. And I have Pearl in the back and I'm on the side of the road. And John says to this day, one of the most like panicked phone calls he's ever overheard. And so we laugh so hard. I'm like, buddy, you knew what you were getting into even before you were interested in me. So uh, needless to say, my dad met him briefly and then went on a rescue mission to pick me up on the side of the road. So we always laugh about that. Um, but I think that's a, I, I think that's a really, uh, he got a really good introduction to life of Paige and no roots boots. Um, But then we, I didn't, he always says when he was over there, I never really like paid attention to him. And I guess I never probably did to any of the seed salespeople unless I like personally knew them. He said, I was always like bebopping around working on my Airstream. I'd come in and like ask dad a question about like what tool I should use. And then I'd be back like running out there to work on it, which I don't really remember any of that, but he said, I didn't really pay much mind to him. Um, And then it was like, I ran into him like a couple times last summer. I think it was last summer. I can't keep all the dates straight, but um, I ran into him at a couple county fairs and we just chit chatted. And I was like, oh, geez, I never heard him really talk. He was always very quiet when I was around. Um, And so we chatted and um, I guess I just took notice of him. And we started dating last December. And, um, he's just been hilarious. He always tells people he's the no roots boots, super fan. Um, and he's gotten quite the following of people who really love when he does the IGTVs, um, about describing the boots. So that was like his first Insta introduction. I'd kind of sneak peeked him a little bit, um, showed a few stories with him and people started asking questions. And then he came out and told everybody that they could only wear peep toe boots in the desert and people loved him. So 
<laughs> I feel like he's definitely part of the brand now. I love that. That's, that's and, the best is when your relationship starts with, like mine started with a hilarious story. And like, that's how they're the best. Like, no it is. Online dating, just trauma and funny comments. And that's all. That yes. Yep. So we, we have a great time together. I always said I was not looking to settle down. I was looking for somebody to keep up. And now I look at him and I'm like, can we just relax sometimes? We always got to be working. Um, so he definitely can keep up. Sometimes I feel like I'm like, slow down, buddy. But, um, it's, it's so great. And it just happened at the best time. Um, and it's just been such a blessing to me. So he is, like I said, he's just great. So I feel like we need to cut that out. I said, he's great a lot of times, (laughs) but I think it's, I think the funniest part is just that, you know, farmer's daughter, seed salesman, and he'd been my dad's seed salesman for quite a few years before I ever even really he into you when he saw you like a lot like it was like when it was like the secret kind of thing like he had a secret crush like a well he says he remembers me from high school because he dated a girl from my high school which cracks me up and then he also worked for like a seed sales I guess like another a pioneer dealership and he remembers my dad he still remembers the bean variety we came and um (laughs) picked up I must have been like 19 I don't even remember and we went and got a we had a wagon and we went and got some beans and he still remembers it so he always said that he would tell people like when he left the farm or whatever be like that page and like girl um he'd call his boss who's friends with my dad and be like that page and like girl so it's just so funny how it all worked out because I was so like nose to the grindstone trying to make this business a thing like I was single all of no roots boots for the most part until I started dating him so my mom just laughs and was like it worked out at the perfect time because you wouldn't have made time for anybody until you felt like you know you were successful or whatever and then his business was kind of the same way he was trying to get it rolling and um, yeah, so it just worked out at a really great time and they always say timing's everything and I believe it now. <laughs> Absolutely. But so we're getting to the end of our time for the podcast, but before we can leave, I want to you to kind of just share some of the goals that you have for No Roots Boots, some of the things, you know, struggles, triumphs of the small business owner that you're trying to overcome and any advice that you have, just kind of wrap it up for us. It's been awesome. So goals, I think more than anything, I'm just trying to be more intentional. Like I said, with kind of my purpose shift in the last like year or so, um, I'm not to the point that I'm trying to go to shows every weekend. I'm kind of just trying to go to my favorite shows and really make sure that all that I do, if I go to a show, I do it well. Um, if I'm online, I can really service my people. So really just trying to cut back on certain things so that everything that I have my hand in, it's done really well. And so that's been a big shift for me. And I'm working on some really, really, really exciting exclusives with my favorite brand. And if you would have told me at the beginning of No Roots Boots that that was going to happen, I would have fallen off a chair and told you no way. So that's really exciting. And as far as advice is something I always tell people is that if you have a dream in your heart and you know you're scared to do it, I mean, you're, you can always look back and say, what if, but I think when you have that dream and it just stays there that you're called to chase that. And 
people are always going to say things. People are always going to have an opinion, but um, at the end of the day, you don't want to look back and regret. And I just think that in anything, it doesn't have to even be, you know, starting your own business. It could be taking a new job that scares you because you don't feel qualified or what have you, but in all that you do, um, I think that everybody that knows me knows that I'm all in and I embrace every struggle challenge, you know, high and low. And so I guess my advice is if you're going to take the leap that you just chase it with everything that you've got. Wow. I am so thankful that you took the time to be with us tonight. I really appreciate it. I know Jenna does too. And hopefully one of these days I will get myself a pair of boots and Jenna will too. And then we could get a cute picture in it. um, I just wanted to say this, that I was um, shopping online while we were doing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you girls can just come over to my house and have a whole try on session. I'll fix you all up. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like the sound of this already. So, um, everyone be on the lookout for Jenna and I's new look here pretty soon. Um, we will be out on the town and college station with new boots on and we will see you next week. Are you tired of being ugly? Are you tired of wearing boring clothes? Did you finally throw away your rock revitals? Revivals? We'll head over to the stock market boutique. You will get New jeans. Thank Jesus, okay? And they're flare, so you can't tuck them into your boots, which we're excited about. And then you'll put a cute shirt on, and you'll just be ready to go. That's the Stock Market Boutique. And then you're going to go, and you're going to use the code TKP10, the Keeper Pen 10 abbreviated, obviously. And you're going to get 10% off your order. And then you're going to wear it around. And you're going to tag us in your pictures. And we're going to just hype you up like we always do and you won't be ugly anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. check it out and that's the t sis and that's the t